This time on Guided. You know, again, I was like 19. I'd been doing some yoga practice. I was, you know, a little bit turned on to, you know, some of, you know, the, the, the ideas, some of these more new agey ideas and things like that. But now I'm, I'm really seeing and I want to try it, right? Because <laughs> like, I already know that I'm allowed to do things that are healing, right? And so, you know, I start working on somebody and I can feel like if I'm breathing right and that it's happening, right and this color you know this this energy is coming out of me and into them and people are watching you know people came over and watched and they dug it they were like oh my god this is great and it was like this really cool moment of like how healing works welcome to guided a podcast all about following your intuition no matter where it guides you Welcome back to Guided, a show that's all about following our intuition no matter where it guides us. I'm your host, Zach Luz, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about dropping into the heart with psychedelics expert, Sitaram Das. So I'm excited for today's episode, and in it, I'll be interviewing Sitaram Das. He's also known as Daniel Schenken, and we'll be talking about the intersection of intuition and psychedelic medicine. Sitram Das is the founder of TAM Integration Circles, a community focused on supporting integration events and spiritual support in the Bay Area in California, and he has spent decades following his intuition. In this conversation, we cover the inner strength and reverence required to harness the benefits of psychedelic medicine, how to develop trust within ourselves so that we can deepen our experiences in waking life as well as our experiences beyond the veil, what sustainable enlightenment is and how to incorporate higher frequency living into our daily lives and how to handle social pressure when our loved ones think we're crazy for following our intuition or utilizing psychedelic medicine to catalyze our potential. Sitaram Das and I first met at the Awakened Futures Summit, which is a conference in San Francisco. And basically it was a meeting point for people that were interested in psychedelics, uh, meditation and tech so people from all those different places all kind of coming together so he and i we met outside um we just kind of found this cool little spot and um yeah we actually had a pretty cool conversation here i'll just show share a little bit of the pre-interview because i think it's kind of (laughs) cool yeah everybody everybody always thinks that we're, we're doing a lot more than we are hello hello Hare krishna Hey there, how are you doing? I'm well, what about you? I'm good. Really good. Cool. Well, this is cool. How have you been since uh, we last spoke? Um, I've been well. You know, life is good. And, you know, kind of just to riff, I don't even know if you remember our conversation, but, um, you know, my relationship with that client is like super smooth and, and rewarding. Wonderful. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. So, she's even doing her work, man. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Well done. Quit her, jo- quit her job, new offer on new job. She thinks oh, wow. I did it. Still doesn't get old. All right, let's go ahead and get into the rest of the interview. Thanks so much for being here. 
Thanks for having me. Uh, seems like it's going to be fun. I appreciate uh, appreciate you reaching out. Yeah. So let's go ahead and just bring everybody into kind of like the the context of how we met because I think it's a cool story mm-hmm. um, and a testament to following our intuition. Um, so at the Awaken Future Summit, I'm curious. I mean, what was your experience like of us meeting? My experience, well, we were sitting, there was a little zone with cushions uh, and maybe, you know, like some some incense burning or something like that, that was not super tucked away from everything else, but, you know, it was, it was slightly off to the side. And I just wanted to sit because, you know, at the conference, there's a lot of running around and listening, you know, listening to the things and engaging. It was a very engaging conference. Um, so it was very participatory. And it was just time for me to sit for a minute. And then you sat down next to me and I probably said something like awkward and quirky, right. That I thought was funny. Cause that's how I open. Yeah. That's, like, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. how I talk. That's what I do. And, and, and we, we started to chat a little bit and then, you know, so for, for whatever reason, I think you mentioned that you were a coach and then for whatever reason, I, sort of shared then and that really clarified for me and then you suggested that we meditate and i think you know you did some some sort of uh energy work a little bit while we meditated and it was just a really nice peaceful time and and i was just like oh it's like this is this is a good bro like this is a guy that um you know that this feels like a good kind of peer brother that you know i would probably have a lot to talk about over time you know, should should the fates keep us together? A little bit of a, you know, I was wrestling with a potential new client, like a, not not physically, but I was wrestling in my mind about, um, um, you know, some of my relationship. I had worked with this person a, a while in the past, and and then we had gone our separate ways, and they showed back up. And you know, you asked one of the great coaching questions of all time, which is, well, what do you want? At that point in the conference, I just kind of felt like, I was like, why am I here? What's, what, like, what, why did I do this? And, and then I just felt guided to go and sit down next to you. And then I felt a lot of the, the same things. Perfect. What was your experience of meeting me? You know, as soon as you had like the quirky comment, that was, uh-huh. I, I perked right up because I engage in, in that kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> And um, yeah, I was I was just kind of in that space too. Of I just felt really open. I was like, the whole I, I didn't understand why I went to the to the conference until after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just I felt like okay, I should go. I'm gonna meet some meet some people here, and it's gonna be a great experience. And when you mentioned like that 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 little piece, and you were willing to share. Um, about what was going on with you and that potential client. I, I just, I kind of scanned you and noticed that you were open to to that kind of stuff. And then it led to a, a really fulfilling, um, yeah, really fulfilling conversation and, and hopefully relationship, depending on how the fates uh, determine where it goes. But um, yeah, I I was really struck by, your willingness to be unapologetically yourself and simultaneously um, vulnerable with 
complete stranger that your your unguardedness was really cool and uh yeah it made me very curious and then uh as soon as we started talking more and then i i found i was like yeah do you want to come on the podcast it's all about following your intuition You're like oh yeah my whole life's about that and i was like okay <laughs> cool i think we we found a fit so i would love to dive more into that how do you like to describe what you do and 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 the journey to getting there all right well i do coaching that is highly influenced by you know mindfulness and somatic practices uh, i have been doing client work just shy of 20 years i sort of began doing that kind of work as a yoga teacher and found that over time you know i, I craved kind of more intimate inquiry-based relationships because yoga teaching, for the most part, you know, if you have 30 people in a room, you're basically just kind of telling them what to do for an hour and a half mm -hmm. uh, and inviting them to perhaps do a little inquiry and, you know, to look at to look at themselves through the lens of their bodies and the poses and, and whatnot. And there wasn't necessarily a lot coming back other than the feedback in, you know, being able to look at the poses. And so, you know, trying to move towards more kind of quiet and contemplative and personal relationships uh, sort of led into coaching, which is really nice because, you know, if you really get to a space with somebody, uh, you can really get into a place where you can sort of track their minds in real time and, and find places where, where the stuckness is occurring and to help to sort of unwind that and to kind of parse apart the various uh, kind of confu confusions that often get often occur, you know, via conflicting desires, um, you know, the the inability to tell the difference between self and other, right? The the um, the need to explain emotions and thought forms and things of that nature, and to sort of sit with that and and sort of um, you know sift through it with somebody is like really rewarding and really interesting mm -hmm. to me to sort of kind of meditate with them in real time with conversation. And that has, so that, you know, has been really rewarding and, and very interesting to me. With this whole psychedelic renaissance, you know, more and more people have been showing up who want to talk about uh, either preparation uh, for, or sort of sense making and framing after of psychedelic experiences. And that was really a big part of my youth uh, and probably, you know, informed my, my yoga practice in, in a lot of ways, you know, informed the way I, I see the world and what's possible and kind of what's behind the curtain. And so as a service, I started hosting integration circles, which people seem to really enjoy where people can sort of get together. And it's a little bit of a, um, kind of a non-directive, non-advice giving sort of, I don't know, Petri dish where, 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 um, where folks can tell their stories and, and get some feedback and have, you know, discussions around these things that um, are kind of high-minded and um, kind of respect their potential for transformation um, in a way that's, you know, kind of non-recreational, although, although fun, um, but also non-clinical. To go from yoga teacher to leading integration um, circles is is quite a journey, and I'm sure it, 
the 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 natural rewards that you get from being in conversational meditation with someone else uh, i i know how that feels firsthand uh, to i want to lead them into exploring some of the the deeper realms of not only their psyche but consciousness as a whole mm -hmm. well if we're you were riffing on the idea of intuition thing i notice about you is it, you seem to have like a, an authority around that not not that you would not that the circles are hierarchical in any sense but you do feel like a guide mm. of sorts so i'm curious like how did you how did you go from saying okay i want to have a deeper um, relationship with um, these people that i'm leading through um, one of the things that I find is a lot of the times when I tell my story, I I kind of make myself passive. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's all it's all sort of happening to me. It's interesting because I seem to, you know, be doing a lot of work <laughs> for things that are happening to me, right? Um, where there is sort of a calling or a guidance uh, that this is a thing that's kind of in line with my values right now. And this is the way that, you know, I'm going to put myself out there that's, you know, going to, you know, it's going to serve me, hopefully, but it's also going to kind of serve the greater good. Um, I found that I, I, I found myself in a couple of integration circles and got a real kick out of them. And one of the things that I found is that I was able to give voice to stuff that happened 20 years ago. Sort of like, you know, those like old Western movies where everybody has like a piece of the map to <laughs> the to the buried treasure. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like a lot of times group, a good group is kind of like that. Yeah. You know, somebody will share something and it puts something in perspective for you that that shifts your mind forever. Right. It just really like it, it you know, some some little muscle somewhere relaxes, you know, some little bit of your heart forgives itself because of something that somebody else said. And so I was really kind of digging that. And I didn't want to always have to cross the bridge to Oakland. <laughs> right. Cause it's a, I live in Marin and, and, and I, and I will cross the bridge to Oakland if I have to, but doing it every time, you know, it's like, you know, the bridge is six bucks and, you know, it, it, takes, <laughs> it takes at least 40 minutes and there's parking, you know, mm -hmm. and so all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, I really wish that somebody would do this in Marin. Reminds me, you know, the old Zen story of the monk who was this, this new guy was at the monastery and he noticed that the steps were dirty. And he said to himself, somebody should really sweep these steps. After about a week, he had this kind of Zen realization. Oh, I'm somebody. <laughs> and, you know, he kind of looked in the closet and he saw that there was a broom and he started, you know, he started sweeping the steps and, and then that was his thing. You know, and nobody had to tell him to do it. He was just like kind of saw that that was a thing. And he, you know, it took him a while to realize why somebody else wasn't doing it. You know, he just, he, he couldn't wrap his head around the fact that it wasn't being handled. And at some point there was this sense of personal responsibility is that, you know, to what extent are we responsible for um, creating the universe in the, in the way that we want to see it? Like, how are we generating love and care for the community?
supposed to be quirky. It's just like, oh, just do that thing now. And it's the thing about, you know, the journey from like yoga to, you know, yoga is is sort of an, an exploration of, of consciousness and the self, right? They call it the science of self-knowledge. And, you know, there is a long history of yogis using consciousness changing medicine, right? There's the, uh, the huge sadhu cannabis culture and, and who knows what else. Um, so that, that's always been happening. And, you know, a lot of times when we think about kind of these plant medicines, we think about more of maybe like an indigenous tradition that's happening in South America or um, even in parts of North America. Uh, and then there's a certain work for um, doing kind of chemical yogas, right? These, uh, these sort of medicinal practices. So they're not that far apart. It does seem like the world could use kind of more of, more of that wisdom, the world or the psychedelic world, you know, for, for, in my mind, could use more of the information that kind of comes out of the Eastern meditative traditions. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, and it provokes a whole bunch of others, mm-hmm. which is a good story that you just told of the man saying, okay, these steps need to get swept, and wow, I'm somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the listeners, they can totally identify with that. Um, because as we're learning to follow our intuition and developing and cultivating that trust more and more, you know, there's something that that uh, the, the, the lone monk has to um, trust in himself is that, you know, me, me going down this path, it's like, it's worthwhile mm-hmm. because the intuition can, can come in, but I'm, I'm sure in your coaching or in the circles or just talking with people, you met people all the time who have these little intuitive nudges to that, that nudge them into one direction or another. And they, just, they may not have the, the ability to trust and know that that's going to be worthwhile either for them or for their, their community. I'm curious how, you know, what were some moments for you where you strengthened your relationship with that's, that sense of intuition? Which seems like the process of strengthening intuition has to do a lot with trust has sort of the these the this their comfort zone right they sort of live inside of a comfort zone one of my teachers would call it a bell jar and you know the bell jar is that you know is this world that is maybe nice and cozy in some ways but we can't see we can't even see what we don't see we don't even know what we don't know and so depending on our various varieties or at least me my various varieties of like kind of discomfort and insecurity and low self-esteem and the way that all of those manifest that certain things that are opportunities don't even seem like opportunities, right? Certain choices that, you know, I have choices that I don't see that would make my life. Was it Robert Anton Wilson that says, you know, it's like we want our lives to become, uh, more interesting, more fun, you know, sexier, more joyful. And if, and if that's happening, we could almost go so far as to say we're getting smarter. And if our lives are getting smaller and less fun, um, 
then we're kind of getting dumber. And and he was edgy, so he would say things. He would he would make assertions like that. Mm-hmm. But I just remember one time when, and this is actually a psychedelic story. Yeah, from my, I was probably nineteen or twenty, and mm-hmm. I was hanging out with some kids who were sort of older and more experienced than me, and. You know, I think we were, we were very high on, on LSD and, and people were having fun. And, and I think there was like, you know, some, some pot being smoked and I sort of wanted to contribute. Like I wanted to be having more fun, but I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I belonged. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, like these kids were big and they were older and cooler than me. And and at some point, like I sort of whispered to to this guy who I was, you know, friendly with, um, you know, mo- mo- most friendly with. I was like, you know, I have some pot in my room too, and like I could get it if that's okay. Right? What a silly question, right? But it was like all I could come up with because like I didn't feel like I was going to be right. It's it's basically a bid for acceptance, yeah. right? And you know, so like my intuition is saying participate, be generous, offer what you have to offer you know, be a part of what's happening here. And, but my, my, my mind, you know, like the, the ego structure, the mind body complex was not, that, that wasn't a possibility for me. Right. It was just barely a, a chance that I could be a part of and have what I had to offer be accepted. And he turned to me and he goes, he goes, Hey man, like anytime you want to do anything that you think is going to be, healing or generous or uplifting you just go right ahead (laughs) (laughs) and so this was confirmation external confirmation that my intuition was correct sort of created a snowball effect of being like oh maybe what i think in the back of my head that i'm like a little bit afraid of doing like maybe there's a chance there's something there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it manifests as things that like appear like low grade psychic activity to people. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing wondrous, you know, that necessarily, except it is right. But it's, 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 no, it's a normal wondrousness, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a, it's a extraordinarily ordinary, right? Magic that happens when you just sort of follow the part of you that is wiser than your hangups. Really curious, what is your opinion on the word psychic? People referring to themselves as, as psychics. I have some, some opinions on this, but I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, there, there's a certain amount of skepticism. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I had a very good friend, he was, he was much older you know, it's sort of a mentor and he would call himself an intuitive and he was, mm-hmm. he was deeply intuitive and he would kind of look at you and he would read and I don't know what he would see, but you know, he, he, the, the insights were remarkable and you know, whether some of that was just him being older and more experienced and just, you know, very intelligent and wise. I'm aware that information is conveyed through that information is traveling in, in subtle ways, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, so there is, you know, we also know that we, 
are gaining information through people's body language and their tonality. And, you know, some people are really good at reading um, flushes in the face and micro movements in the eyes. And we also know that sometimes we can read vibes in the rooms with a certain amount of clarity. I don't, and sometimes information just comes, you know, I, I, I don't, so that said, interact with sort of like, a, you know, TV psychics very often. I, I just, uh, it's just not in my circle. And I'm not particularly interested in, in that sort of magic. And I don't know if I necessarily see the benefit. I don't really know. I'm not really sure how to, how to answer that question. Um, you know, through, through some forms of meditation, new information is available. You know, to what extent it's measurable or to what extent it's marketable, I don't really know. Yeah. I guess I guess how we got there was, uh, I mean, basically what you're saying about having subtle information available to us in, in any way. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my opinion is that we're all psychic. It's just to various degrees. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think psychedelics can play uh, a catalytic role in... Mm -hmm. Um, getting uh, opening up to to that kind of perception mm -hmm. to be able to to feel that and, and see that I mean I remember one of my psychedelic experiences that's when I first saw and I didn't understand what was happening but I first saw what um, energy healing could be for oh me, me too but go, but go oh, ahead <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt but I got excited oh no, no. I, now I want to hear your story. Of when I learned that I could shoot rainbow colored light out of my hands that healed people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh. Well, I was just watching. And again, I think this, this was sort of this group of kids. I think it was a different night. But it was sort of the same crew. Because this was, again, this is sort of this, this time when I was sort of young and, you know, sort of having these, these, these initiatory experiences with people who are older and wiser than me. And it was just sort of starting to learn what it was like to move out of the head and into the heart. Energy that all of the, that a lot of this energy of control and trying to figure out and trying to understand and trying to make things happen according to my ambition. And, you know, at some point, during one of these evenings, I sort of dropped right into my heart where everything was perfect. And it was perceivable, like the, the energetic shift was perceivable, if that makes sense. Because, you know, sometimes these experiences are just very overwhelming and you don't really know what's going on. Uh, yeah. But you can feel the shift in the frequency. Right. And, and so, like, at this point, like, you know, and I'm sure I had been in the heart before, but it was not necessarily observable and perceivable like I wasn't able to sort of get with like what had happened and that it was again within like that that I could play a part in it in some way it was like oh I can be here and this is awesome and like this is like a, a this is a state that I can consciously choose right I'm really interested in the mechanics of conscious state choose like like I, I don't have a good term for it but you know like what is how do we create a state consciously go in there and stay in there and work from that place and so i was there and then you know in the other room somebody was giving somebody else a massage and 
and I could see what was happening. Like there was this energetic component to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, again, I was like 19. I'd been doing some yoga practice. I was, you know, a little bit turned on to, you know, some of, you know, the, the, the ideas, some of these more new agey ideas and things like that. But now I'm, I'm really seeing and I want to try it. Right. Like, cause I've already know that I'm allowed to do things that are healing. Right. And so, you know, I start working on somebody and I can feel like if I'm breathing right and that it's happening. Right. And this color, you know, this, this energy is coming out of me and into them and people are watching, you know, people came over and watched and they dug it. They were like, Oh my God, this is great. And it was like this really cool moment of like how healing works. Some some may share your perspective. Others may think, well, no, the way that you heal is you have to, you got to sleep and you got to eat your veggies and you got to, you know, take cold medicine if you get a cold. Sure. Well, how but, healing works in that in in this particular context, how so, like ha- how um, hands on healing works, you know, as as a as an energized modality. So what were you? seeing or feeling and experiencing as you were there uh, doing that. just lots of love like how much love can you generate in your heart and send down your hands out into the world into another person because okay. the thing is is that at that level like like who's smarter me or love like i can you know i can rub a back or i can place my palms on somebody but it's like that stuff is gonna do the stuff Right. Like I, I might, like, I might know, you know, it's like my knowledge of like body mechanics is pretty good. You know, I've been, you know, working with bodies for a while. I'm better than the layman. And, you know, my knowledge of, you know, the energy bodies are pretty good. You know, there's, you know, actually, you know, there's, there's masters who could blow me out of the water, but you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm competent, you know, in a lot of ways, but you know, the, the intelligence of, the of of internal energy like internal energy is smarter than me you know i can't even i can't grow my nails i can't digest my food i can't grow my hair i don't maintain my body temperature like all that stuff is sort of happening for me there's something that sort of there's an innate natural intelligence that is that is going on there right can you imagine if it was your job to digest all your food you'd have to stop it you wouldn't who would how what else would could you get done so it's like, what is it like to just sort of like run that through sort of a, you know, a love filter or something, just kind of turn that energy to the, the vibratory quality of, of love and care, and then send that into uh, something else, right? Generate it, share it, send it out into the world, see what it does. All things being equal, it'll probably, you know, turn out to, to net benefit. That's basically, I was trying to, when we first met, I was trying to describe to you succinctly, like how I do what I mm-hmm. do, but it's, it's that kind of thing where I just I, I like tune into a frequency and then vibrate at that frequency, whatever it is. So a lot of times it's fun to do in conversation because sometimes I, you know, I can see the person is like on the verge of, of, of reaching the epiphany and then i'll just resonate clarity Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they start getting a really good idea right and then when i mean love and care is you know usually pretty useful Mm -hmm. regardless of the of what's going on but 
yeah, that's my similar experience of it. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm glad that you brought that in, that there is, that we do get to choose various flavors, right? That we live in a resonant field. Yeah, sometimes a client needs something like clarity or acceptance or just even a real neutral space or, or, yeah. or things like that, or an inspired kind of thing or a motivated sort of thing. And that, you know, we can put that out into the field and it's responded to. So if we're talking about intuition here, so I imagine that you have a lot of experience uh, for your work uh, for TAM integration, mm -hmm. the, the circles that you do, you do basically pre-journey and post-journey. Yes. Like helping people get ready for these experiences, these catalytic experiences of trusting, which is the same thing that someone confronts, I think, on a, uh, on a smaller scale or, well, maybe not smaller scale, but it's following your intuition. It's, it, it's a little less intimidating than going, okay, I'm going to go into a seven day ceremony. Mm -hmm. um, like when that's like, oh, I feel like I should go check the mail right now. Cause I think my package just arrived. Like it's a little more accessible, mm -hmm. but I'm really curious, you know, when you are getting people ready to start trusting how do you prepare them for that? And then and on the flip side, after they've had this experience where they've opened up, whether to psychedelics or uh, greater consciousness or, you know, higher frequencies of love than they've ever felt before, how do you prepare them for, for what they're going to experience? And, and how do you help them integrate what they experienced back into their lives? There's a couple of things I really like as far as prep goes. And everybody has heard, you know, if you look through, you know, the literature and stuff, one of the things they will say is, you know, you, you want to have an intention for a journey uh, and that, well, that, that's, that's great. And working with somebody to really have a, again, like energetic, somatic, like full body felt sense experience of their intention is really handy. So, you know, there's a lot of people showing up who haven't really done this stuff before, right? Who are potentially in a lot of pain or are really hoping to, to get into some deeper stuff than maybe those of us who are just exploring it for, for kicks or, or some sort of a little bit of spiritual expansion. And so mm -hmm. it's like, how do we look at, you know, and, and again, it's not uh, totally different from an ordinary coaching model where we're curious about, okay, where are you? Where do you want to be? Those sorts of things. Yeah. And just sort of, you know, visioning what's possible, you know, touching uh, yeah, and, and things of that nature and sort of feeling like just feeling into, I, I don't know if I'm even describing it right, it's, it's, but it's a really fun process of getting somebody kind of standing on their feet you know, and breathing into their belly and waking up into what's actually possible and potential but for them as opposed to just, you know, I mean, and, and you know about goal setting and how people have this tendency to talk about their futures in, in the negative term. Be like, I just don't want this to be like this anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't build a, you can't build a thing. You can't co-create for, I just don't want it to be like this anymore. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing there. And so tuning people into, you know, what an intention is at like a, at a sort of a precise level that they can feel in their system 
seems really cool, seems to be really good, and seems to be something that people carry through um, with their journey, even if it shifts a little bit. Because, of course, we're evolving creatures and they shift a little bit. But there seems to be, it creates a thread, which is really pretty great. I saw that. I saw that on your on your site, and I was I was curious about it. Uh, I'd love to hear what you. Have to it, what it's a it? really cool practice. It's sort of it's got a little bit of a gestalt therapy feel to it, um, and some visualization. And one of the other things I like to do for prep is: Are you familiar with the feeding your demons practice? The idea is in in Buddhist mythology. It is developed. It's based on a, a an old Tibetan tantric practice called cha which is spelled C-H-O-D with an umlaut over the O. There was an enlightened named Machig Labdran, and she found herself one day floating through the sky, ending up in the tree that was in the middle of a lake that was sort of haunted, female master. It was This lake was the home of these fierce nagas that were these interdimensionals, up snake creatures who are not necessarily empirically evil but they didn't they don't care much for humans right we're sort of kind of gross and loud and boorish and they they look down they look at us like we would look at you know bugs or something perhaps and you know it would if we, we would go near the lake or something people would people would get sick or they would start having bad luck and it was like you know the nagas you'd like you'd, you'd squish a bug that would you know, that was in your kitchen or something like that. It's like, you know, they're like, stay, humans, stay out of my kitchen. And they all come at her, you know, full of fury and vengeance. And her response to them was like, you know, if, if, if you require my body for your nourishment, then you should just eat me. So she finds herself sitting in the tree, which is unheard of, this little island in the middle of this lake, you know, because most humans wouldn't even look in the direction of this thing. So, you know, for many people that wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to think that, you know, it's like I, I wouldn't want people to miss the energy and the wisdom behind the activity. And, you know, they become her, um, you know, part of her team, right? Because there's, there's two people can do the same thing from coming from different, very different places. But these, right. you know, these, these, these are high beings and they, can see her and they see the level of kind of, of wisdom and compassion and renunciation. And they realize this is not just an ordinary being that this is basically a female Buddha and they become her allies. So kind of what we see is that, you know, we're all plagued by something. There are all parts of ourselves that manifest as, as demons, right. That are very difficult for us to work with. And they kind of ruin our lives slowly from the inside. And we have a tendency to turn away from, you know, we do fight or flight, right? Is, is, the, is the standard course of action, you know, in, in the human mind, right? It takes a very psychic, emotional complex and to ask what's under, what's under the surface, right? Like what is the pain underneath all of this anger and what can I do for it? Extraordinary mind to turn towards. And so the feeding your demons practice is, is a fairly simple practice. Um, you know, it takes about 45 minutes or so, depending. And it provides a, a much deeper insight into what is this 
right? It's like, how do I generate the care, you know? And it's like the care or the, um, you know, the dispassion or the, the, um, you know, the freedom is, freedom comes up a lot actually, you know, or the wonder that, that this thing needs to have its space, to have its, to have its healing. What we're sort of teaching folks as we take them through this is that your shadow stuff is going to come up, right? We, we want to give them a sense that, um, so it's entirely possible that these people go on a psychedelic journey and they just have a grand old time from start to finish, right? Mm-hmm. And best case scenario, that's great. You have a grand old time, you know? It's also possible when you, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to dig up your stuff, that your stuff's going to come up and it's going to perhaps be terrifying and it's going to present itself in ways that you're not used to. And so how do you practice meeting your, the, the terrifying stuff? Right? And, and this is really the best way that I've found to get people used to my psychic struggle. And then also, how do I respond to it? This is is the feeding your demons practice getting people sort of used to okay i'm going to relate to myself with more compassion and i'm not going to run from my stuff and i'm not going to demonize my stuff and i'm not going to push it off onto somebody else yeah i mean this feels and this is kind of what i mean about like the system starts to take care of itself in a lot of ways uh not Mm -hmm. not always you know but um you know we know that if we lift weights our we're actually shredding our muscles and then they grow back stronger, right? If you're doing it, if you're stressing, if you're lifting weights, you're appropriately stressing your muscles and they grow back stronger. Appropriate psychedelic use stresses out your psychic system in some ways, uh, stresses out your, your energy field and your energy body. If you're taking care of yourself and eating and sleeping and being kind to yourself and things like that, it will grow back stronger is my sense. Um, there's this great, um, there's an author named Joe Tafour, Dr. Dr. Joe Tafour. He, um, he runs, he helps run a center in the Amazon and does a lot of work with ayahuasca. And he was working with, he, he tells a story where he was working with a military veteran. What he is seeing is not entities coming in, right? What, what he is seeing is that there are these kind of like evil looking dark black and purple slugs sometimes with like nails sticking through them and various pieces of like knives or rusty metal that are flying that the ayahuasca is pushing out of his out of his body at a fantastic rate and so like all of these beings all of this whatever it is this whatever this vision is expressing that's leaving his body is happening at at a highly aggressive rate and so it's yeah. my sense that that guy's field got kind of shredded, but because there was less of whatever that was inside of him, is my it, it, you know the the thought is that that field grows back stronger. So I'm really interested in in that kind of thing, in in how we like how do we support the strengthening of a field for somebody who is doing these kinds of journeys. And yeah, there are times when, you know, uh, the, the pendulum, I like pendulums. Uh, the pendulum has to be pulled out and, you know, we've, we've got to do a little recon on, you know, critters that have made themselves at home and, yeah, and that needs to be dealt with. And, 
you know, meditation practices obviously strengthen the field if you're doing a good one, right? If you're not, you know, because there's meditation practice out there that just create neurosis. But, you know, for the most part, people are better off meditating than not. Um, right. And so there's a lot of like some of that like spooky language, you know, there's some spooky languaging about the entities and stuff. And whereas it's perhaps an issue, I don't think it's as huge a one as, as, as one might think. And I think that, you know, the insights gained most of the time and the healing gained outweighs any of that. Definitely. What I was intending through that, because, yeah, I mean, if you think of the word entity, that does have some spook factor to mm -hmm. it. Just even in saying that word. That's the name of my new band, did... by the way. Spook factor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's killer. Go um, but if we think back like uh, one of the most helpful metaphors that I heard um, when I was first getting introduced to that concept was if we think of before we had microscopes mm -hmm. we had all these little micro entities on our skin all the time mm -hmm. and it turns out it's just bacteria and there's some bacteria that's helpful. There's some bacteria that's not. And if you wash your hands, you're fine. Mm -hmm. We could, if we labeled those as mini entities versus like bacteria, you know, we could freak ourselves out in exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the other thing that um, I want to make sure that I, I note about this is not only in, in my experience, but in the clients that I've worked with every single, every single thing like that, that has that I've ever seen in someone, uh, they invited in. There was permission given. Because mm. I, you know, I would never want to dissuade someone from having, you know, as beautiful of an of an experience as they can have through, you know, glimpsing, uh, glimpsing what's on on the other side of the of the veil. Yet I, I just would like to underscore that. There should be a sense of reverence and responsibility behind the, the way in which we, we go about those things. And, you know, it's in the same way, you know, if we want to build our psychic muscles up and we're and we're serious about that, you know, that's why it's important to maybe spend some time uh, consulting a psychic trainer, I guess, mm -hmm. beforehand. Right. That can, you know, help them understand how to uh, uh, understand how to like have their bearings and and that kind of thing when they go into a, such a transformative experience. Right. And then there's even like it, we didn't even get into the question of like, how do we actually tell self from other? And what are the boundaries of self and to what extent is do, do, does an other yeah. exist? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, people often get themselves in, into big troubles through, you know, various form of story making around, you know, what is internal versus what is external. And we don't necessarily have time for all of that, but, you know, we could, right. that's a, you know, there's a footnote there somewhere. So once, once someone has gone through an experience, I mean, one thing I really appreciate about what you do is that you take everything that you take everything that they've gone through and then help them integrate it back into their life mm -hmm. to make sure that, um, I mean, I guess what's your, what's your intention behind that part of, of everything? How did, how was that born? 
that desire born in you to help people integrate and, and what have you found to be most helpful when someone's um, going through an experience of profound trust and they may be, they may feel feelings of vulnerability to be able to transmute that into a profoundly eye-opening, positive, transformational experience. What, what I'm really interested in is, is like sustainable enlightenment. Right. So people have these enlightening experiences and sometimes they're tough. Right. And sometimes there is a lot of work that has to be done around like the fact that things were super freaky. But, you know, there is an overwhelmingly positive, you know, it's like I, I, I come I, people come back and, you know, it's it's in general, you know, a very positive experience. And I and I think we've used the word love in this podcast a lot. You know, it's like people aren't necessarily comfortable with it. Um, yeah. except people who just came back from ayahuasca journeys, <laughs> right? <laughs> people who, you know, like if you take all of my clients if, and you measure their use of the word love, is that the people who are having their session right after an ayahuasca trip use it the most. <laughs> so there, there is often a big sense of inspiration and mission and vision, and um, they're going to do something and they're going to be more... Um, environmentally conscious and they're going to do things that are supportive for the world or the community and stuff like that. You know, I was talking to one guy once who was going to liquidate everything, give it all to maps. And, you know, and, and, and my questions to these people, is this sustainable? Like, yes, I know that you're a spirit soul, you know, you're a divine being of love and light in this human body right now. And all of the things, many of the things that you thought were important before are not important now, but you are still planning on living in this body on this planet for the next 50 to 80 years. Right. You know, and it's like, okay, well, how do we behave in a way that respects that? <laughs> right. Yeah. That we're not, we don't, that we don't dismantle our lives because of a vision that we had. It's like, there's maybe you don't move, maybe you don't sell everything and quit your job and move to the jungle. Right. Because you want to be in nature more. Maybe you go play guitar in the park on a regular basis, right? Because you want to be creative and you want to play music and you want to spend time in nature. And you told me that you live really close to that really awesome park and you never go because you're too busy. Yeah. Right. And so instead of like, if you're too busy to go to the park, maybe you're too busy to go to the jungle and maybe there's just like a way to finesse that a little bit so that you're growing at a rate that is not going to like freak out like the interconnected web of life that you're already a part of, including your wife and your kids and your, you know, all of the, your parents and all of the things. And so it's like that sort of navigation, you know, and again, with the deepest respect that the experience you had was real. And how do we interact with the people in our lives in a way that's respectful and honors their dignity as also being spirit souls that may or may not have, you know, that, that have their own perspective on things right now. And um, I do end up occasionally even talking to relatives who are kind of bugged out because, you know, one of their family members, you know, got quote unquote enlightened and it's a, uh, it's creating a hassle and it's scaring people. It's making people really uncomfortable. And so it's like, what is the, um, you know, what might be, what is like the out, the equivalent of Al-Anon yeah. For, yeah. for people who are, who are having psychedelic, um, psychedelic healing or a crisis perhaps. So then um, I've, I love that term sustainable. Enlightenment. I know me too. <laughs> 
so what do you think uh it takes for for someone to for someone to have sustainable enlightenment well it just reminds me of you know one of the things that ramdas said is that people run into trouble when they think that they're the only one who's god mm-hmm. right it's like when when we yeah. realize that everybody else is god too it's a lot easier to relate <laughs> you know yeah. to other people i was talking to somebody the other day who and this is kind of back to the non-dual thing i was talking to somebody the other day who said you know i realized that i was creating everything mm-hmm. and you know and then i was just me again but like am i creating everything or am i being created or what is the deal and you know from the non and what happens there we you know we we rapped about this it was a super fun conversation we rapped about how the ego has a tendency to put itself as primary right and so it's like being able to loosen this idea of you know the uh, me the i that i i created everything you know because it's like what happened is like creating everything was happening right and so we automatically put ourselves at the head of the line Right. You know what I mean? As as opposed to recognizing that the creating, you know, is, is, is we're a part, like whatever we happen to be is a part of that. And I mean, even being a fractal of God is, I mean, I think the positive intention of someone saying, oh, I am the only God is just the desire to feel some sense of mm-hmm. power and uh, yeah, authority in one's own life. Yet, even being a fractal What's not that? shabby yeah i'm sure you can tell like through your coaching work you can see how people are so completely in control of everything that's happening mm-hmm. and creating all of it and that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to go and control at literally every other person as um you know, as their God. I mean, being your own God is pretty, you know, not too shabby is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> right. Another thing, how do we have, how do we just create a lot of stability uh, for people? And also how do we deal with kind of the longing, right? Because sometimes there is this kind of come down and it's so much, it's sort of a bummer to not be that connected and that intimate anymore sometimes. Right. And I, I kind of see that with folks who that often comes around with with, you know, it comes down with MDMA sometimes because that's just so beautiful. And it comes down with with five MEO DMT, which is like so quick and so ultimate. And then, you know, it's there and back again very fast. And mm-hmm. so it's like the the in in the yoga traditions, right, longing is part of the bhakti. It's part of the devotion is the understanding is that sometimes you feel unified with God and sometimes you don't. And that both of those are a gift. And so it's like, how do we fully embrace just the ordinariness of life and, and the, the, the inherent um, dissatisfactoriness of it? The fact that sometimes it's sad and sometimes it's painful. And, you know, how do we deal with that from a mature, more mature way, which kind of allows people to, to be bigger, right? It's like being bigger than than all of our problems is that they, you know, they come and they go, but there is this kind of seed um, beyond it all. 
that is able to to meet it and witness it. So um, maybe one last question: uh, Is there anything? Is there anything else that you really want to you really want to communicate? Ask or anything to just kind of wrap us up. You know, it's just my thought that if we're going to, if we're just to riff, stay on the intuition game is if there's folks out there who are like want to develop intuition, I'm sure you cover this kind of stuff all the time. I think it's fun to practice with small things. Like we don't, we always think that it has to be like super big, but you know, sometimes it's like looking at your shirts in the closet and just see which one happens to glow and just allow your intuition to guide you to put on your clothes. And that maybe if you're at lunch and you're looking at a menu, just see which thing like gets a little shiny and see if you can step out of the rational, oh, I always get chicken pesto, and just see what, what is maybe a little bit more vibey for you in, in, in a given moment and just kind of train yourself to, to listen to a deeper part. What do you think of that? Uh, I love that so much. Because I think it's important sometimes to have the one big dramatic experience that gives you kind of the glimpse of what's possible, but um, intuition's available. That higher part of us is always available. Mm -hmm. And I think while it can be sexier to have a cooler um, psychedelic experience and trying to one up one another, I think the the real value is building that sense of trust within ourselves mm-hmm. um, and cultivating culti- cultivating our intuition on a daily basis so, so that we always so that we have quicker access to that that higher state um, at any time yeah so I, I love your perspective yeah and just finding it in a way that's safe you know it's not like oh if I do use follow my intuition I'm going to end up homeless <laughs> you know kind of thing cool. This has been super fun. Yeah, thanks so much, Daniel. Really appreciate it. I think I think everyone's gonna really enjoy hearing you speak. Uh, I, it was fantastic. Just so um, just so listeners, if they want to get in contact with you or or follow up a little bit more, is there anywhere where they can get connected? Well, okay. So there's Tam Integration. It's the Psychedelic Integration Project. My coaching website is sitaramdas.com. S i t a r a m d a s um, you know, I'm all over Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And there is a project I'm involved in. We didn't really talk about, but it's called the Psilocybin Summit. And so psilocybinsummit.com might be curious for people to look at as well. Cool. Well, here, I want to make sure we get you out of here uh, before you're one thirty. All right. So thanks again, Daniel. Uh, I'll keep you posted on edits and everything and when it's coming out. All right. You rock. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. Um, just as a reminder, if you want to get in touch with Sitram Das about any of the events that he has going on, any of his personal coaching, or you just want to connect, uh, the best place to find him is at sitramdas.com. That's S-I-T-A-R-A-M-D-A-S.com. Or you can also search TAM Integration on Facebook, and then you'll get connected in with all of his different stuff. Take care, and we'll see you soon. And just like always, you don't have to watch out when you look within. Later.
intro and outro music by The Passion Hi-Fi.